Have you been to Express lately? People can't get enough of their clothes. They're like insta-confidence boosters. The jeans come in a temp-control fabric that keeps you comfortable no matter the weather. And the t-shirts, hands down, they'll feel like they're made of the softest fabric you've ever worn. And get this, the suits have stretch and look sharp. Like, what? How do they do that? Everyone's raving about the newest looks from Express. Just check out the five-star reviews. See for yourself and shop the latest at Express.com and in stores. Hello and welcome to another episode of the GC Sunscast and we are back this week. It is the return to footy. Round 2 officially begins. What, coming on 8, maybe 10 weeks since round 1? I've lost track and to be honest, I think like most Suns fans, we are forgetting that game ever existed. (laughs) Well, let's start the show off tonight. I'm your host Shane. Joining me is Tom. How's it going, Tom? I am going very well, Shane. I can tell you right now, round one, way back in March 21st, so we're pushing three months since since uh, the last game, and I've got to say, it, about time, I've been... You know, watching the watching the shows on on Fox Sports and and uh, you know all the commentators and all the journalists and everyone's all just you know thank God we don't have to talk about you know the last time I cried <laughs> or, or or have another Zoom chat. Oh, it's just we're we're, we're going to be seeing footy in two days and we're going to be seeing the Suns in four days and I can't wait. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's jump straight into this episode because. A lot has happened in the last few weeks. Um, where do we start? Well, we'll start with our Patreon donors. We'll thank our old soul Patreon donors, Jack Stad, Paul Vosti, Dale Snelling, Brody Burgess, Kate Kelland, Tom Kim, Chris Moore, Robbie Fiorini, and Tim. Thank you guys for your support. And we'll look to deliver with a pretty good show. So a couple of items on the news tonight and we can go into depth in most of them so i might just list off the headlines here tom and then you can pick and choose which ones we delve into first first off we've got uh the return of rankin and thompson looks to be delayed and they have been ruled out for round two ellis miles and george hall and smith have been injured in the last few weeks and we've got the potential for crowds at Metricon starting this weekend. Where should we go, Tom? Well, uh, for starters, um, we we can say that um, Rory Thompson and Isaac Rankin they didn't play in the scratch match, so it's not like they're they're re-injured. They just haven't come up. They're they're um, they're two, two players who've been on managed heavily managed programs over the off season. And been away from the club for so long, for eight weeks. They've come back with you know, basically three weeks, and they're just a bit underdone. They're not going to risk them. They're two players who they see playing most games this season, and so they're calling it one to two weeks for each of them. Um, which you know, it's fair to say that they'll we'll be having the same conversation next week and possibly the week after. But they're not far off, and we'll just have to see how things go. As far as the uh, the official. Injury list is concerned. Uh, Brandon Ellis, George Holland Smith, and Anthony Miles all had minor injuries in that scratch match. So it sounds like it was a pretty rough and ready 
selection trial, doesn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, let's pull up. I've got this article from the Gold Coast Suns website, what we learnt in the match simulation. So let's have a look at that. Because obviously sure. no supporters are allowed to see this, we are relying on the club's intel. Now, the first thing they talk about is the wing dilemma. Uh, Will Powell apparently impressed rotating up on the wing and at half forward. Um and it looks like he's going to be spending time there now that he's back and fit, uh, possibly replacing Noah Anderson or Braden Fiorini. Or Brandon Ellis. Or Brandon Ellis, as uh, we found out in the last few days, that he there was a reason he wasn't involved in the uh, big free slide, and that was uh, turns out a bit of a calf issue. Um, mm, and we'll get on. We'll talk about that in a bit, eh? Hey? Yeah. Uh, we've got the rookies. So Matt Rowell, again, impressed uh, with Anderson. Uh, Sam Flanders has apparently come on in leaps and bounds in the break, and he looks like he's pushing for his case uh, to be selected. Connor mm. Butterick, they, they, stay, they say Connor Butterick is a good chance to retain his place in the AFL side. So it looks like he's performing well as a small defender. And Jeremy Sharp is, again, showing promising signs, and uh, he's definitely going to be pushing his case for selection as well, especially with Brandon Ellis not playing. That opens up that wing spot. Um, does. We follow up with the Battle of the Big Men. Charlie Ballard played well with his first match back from a shoulder injury. A uh, number of intercept marks and spoils was the highlight of his performance. Uh, Jack Homsch also returned... Uh, to provide a different look at the defensive end. And uh, then Peter Wright and Sam Day switched teams at three-quarter time, both showing signs in the key forward post. Uh, not, uh, they, they haven't really elaborated on that, the Peter Wright and mm. Sam Day, so I'm not confident in what, what they delivered on the match practice. But some of our big forwards did deliver... And that was the man, Ben King. He kicked four goals. And Alex Sexton returned from that hamstring injury he suffered in the preseason. And he kicked four goals as well. So including Sexton into that side is going to add some serious firepower to the Suns side. Um, also, Pierce Hanley and Jared Harbrow both played and offered plenty of experience and composure. So you would think they're both a strong chance to come into that sun side and provide some experience and leadership. Mm, absolutely. So that is very interesting, everything that we saw there. And I think we'll touch on this more later in the episode when we come up to discuss our best 22. Um, mm. So going back to the injury list, it looks like Ellis is going to be a week. Uh, I think they're talking about him possibly coming back for round three. Yeah. And um, Thompson and Rankin, as you said, they didn't play. They're just sort of easing those players back from serious injury and want to get them match fit before they push them into selection. Exactly right. Um, Miles will be a few weeks. Um, it's a hamstring, right? So uh, he did it a week It'll be a week. You'll have had a week before the, the game starts, so three to four weeks after. That's the usual time, but with these kinds of things that you know you can't be too sure. I wouldn't see him travelling to Geelong 
Um, so, you know, maybe after round five, he can be uh, uh, considered again. But who, who knows what will be happening by then? Um, the only one who's out for any sort of length of time is Mitch Redden. And not to forget, David Swallow, captain, is suspended for this week. So th- those... Uh, of all of those, probably only Ellis and Swallow really um, really affect selection, but obviously Thompson and Rankin would have been really pushing for spots, and even someone like Miles, who was really reliable last year, um, to, to bummer to have him out. But depth is the thing that we've got this year, and uh, like we've never, ever had. So very exciting to, to be speculating this round two team. Yeah, you mentioned depth there uh, with our, our list size obviously being a huge factor in that. Craig Cameron had a really good interview with Cal Toomey uh, last week um, and spoke on several issues. We He spoke about the Brad Crouch trade or how... Almost, uh, almost happened, almost didn't trade. it? Yeah, it sounded like it was really close and they decided to, to stick with their, their guns and stay down that youth path. So... I mean, that's good. I, I like that strategy, and it sounds like that's the strategy they want to go with. But they are open to bringing in some mature talent at the end of this year. Um, but with the whole COVID crisis and the potential for list sizes to be slashed, uh, the rumours going around it is it's going to be slashed down to 35. That could be a huge, huge chunk of a change to Gold Coast. Uh, I mean, that's it basically would, 16 it? players. Now, you'd have to assume, I think Tony Cochran then backed this up on our friends over at the Heat Room, uh, Tom Boswell and Sean Tobin. He backed, it, backed up in his interview with them that the AFL would have to have some sort of concessions. Otherwise, we're just going to find ourselves back in the same situation we were six years ago where the club was really struggling and didn't have enough depth or leadership in its players so yeah interesting things happening i I think i think there's i think there's so much complexity to it because okay so look at a club like richmond and, and and collingwood right so if you slash their list size to 35 a few of those players are just going to slip down to their VFL sides. And their VFL sides get, you know, decent crowds every week. The diehard fans will go along and watch VFL, whether they're playing against another AFL-affiliated team or whether they're playing against someone like Port Melbourne or whatever. The, the VFL, is it, these, these clubs are very strong. They have the budget to be able to carry these extra players outside their cap. They already do it, right? So, you know, Richmond winning the, the VFL flag last year... There were some players who, in that grand final side in the VFL, which they won, which helped them actually, you know, Marlon Pickett was best on ground in that game. He he won a grand final spot with his performance in that team. It's a very good team because their top-up players are the best top-up players you can find that aren't on an AFL list who are in that system. We don't have that. So we to be able to develop our players, we need some sort of reserve grade or secondary system and we need decent AFL-caliber players. So how that could be managed, they're talking about maybe a, a, a temporary merger with, with Southport and uh, who will have the budget and the AFL can support that. Um, 
you know, what's going to happen with the academies and this and that. So, yeah, 51 players, you know, there's a quite a lot of developing players who you don't even expect to play AFL this year. Are they going to be lost to the system altogether? And if you wipe out the NEFL, they're going to have to go to places like Victoria and South Australia and Western Australia to get a chance. It just, it, there's so much to decide. So I, I, I'm happy for them to, to take as long as they need to take to work out the sort of whole of football in Queensland, New South Wales and Northern Territory as, as, um, as Mr. Cochrane puts it, um, because yeah, if you, because the, the, the boys on, um, the heat room were talking about this as well. Um, yeah, it's 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 too much for me to get my head around, really, because you just hope that they would just keep the NEFL, um and, and and continue in that way because it's been really successful for the Lions and for the Giants, and obviously Sydney was quite competitive for the history of the NEFL. They had a very competitive NEFL side, so there's no reason why the Gold Coast couldn't continue in that system. But well, we'll just have to see, won't we? Yeah, it. It's a really delicate situation, as as they've suggested that if if the if they form a an Eastern Seaboard VFL type competition, uh, you're going to lose the AFL clubs to that, and then that leaves the NEFL in a position where they're probably going to have to disband, and then those mm. clubs in the NEFL are going to have to drop back down to say the QAFL. And yeah. You know, you're going to have a situation there where if it's not balanced properly with players and everything, you're going to have teams like Southport just winning 10 QAFL premierships in a row. Well, um, well, no, because they, they, they'll lose 80% of their salary cap. So you got you got um, Jordan Jordan Murdoch's younger brother, Brody Murdoch. He's not going to stick around because, you know, he, he, he has a glimmer of hope that he might make it onto an AFL list, well, that might have been snuffed out, but at least you're going to play at the club that's going to be playing second-level you know, footy and live the Gold Coast lifestyle. Well, he wouldn't be able to do that unless he works full-time and plays for nothing. And, the, and he's not the only one. Think of all of the Suns players who've been delisted over the years who've decided that the Gold Coast is the place to stay and Southport's where they want to play their footy. Um, there's, there's more than a dozen of those guys, um, even players who played for the Suns. Um, Matt Shaw played over 100 games for the Suns. If he settles down as a, as a, as a family, he could be providing father-sons, you know. Um, but, you know, he'd have to question whether he'd stick around for for uh, for no pay or for, you know, basically enough pay to, to pay his dues and maybe get a, you know, free pair of boots. You know, it's, it's ridiculous considering that, you know, a place like the Sandful will, will offer huge money to these. The Sandful could end up being the big winners. Uh, but I don't really want to see two competitions. I want to see one competition with with a supporting competition in each state. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Well, it, it's certainly a wait-and-see situation with that. Uh, we'll, of course, keep you posted when anything pops up regarding the future of the NEFL or Queensland footy and what it means for the development of our Gold Coast Suns players. Um, let's move on to the next topic, which is possible crowds returning to Metricon as early as this week. What is going on, Tom? It seemed like yeah. a week ago we were thinking maybe by the end of the five-week block we might get maybe 500 people to a game. 
But they're talking about it as soon as this week, and it might be up to a maximum of 6,000 people at Metricon. Well, well, um, Jared and Robbo last night on AFL 360 sounded like they knew a little bit more than they were letting on. Um, you know, I was, I was, uh, I was just watching, you know, listening to the way they were talking. I was like, when are you going to get to the scoop? And then, of course, Caroline Wilson did come in and scoop and say that crowds are coming back. But today we're seeing all sorts of different stories. No, no single news service has got the same one. You know, um, obviously the big, the big story is um, the showdown is going to have have two thousand fans. But um, earlier today, I was seeing stories of saying that that um, AFL clubs in in Queensland can can potentially look forward to having crowds of twenty five percent capacity um, as soon as this weekend. Uh, you know, this is from the Premier in an election year. Yeah, um, I, and I've what heard. they've worked out is if you only have a couple of hundred people, it ends up costing you more money than if you had none. So, the, you know, you've still got a social distance, but the more people they can get in, and, and, and let's face it, the more people who said, yep, keep the membership money, um, the club needs it more than I do, I want to support my club, you know, they're going to be the ones who get, get um, first, first crack. Um, it sounds like they'll probably have a ballot system, but it also sounds like there'll be a bit of corporate catering as well, which... You know, I hate to think that money will buy you, you know, the best seats in the house, but that's what what it's like for every game, isn't it? So, you know, let's face it, the club's got $7.7 million worth of sponsors to keep happy. So uh, whatever we can get, we'll take. Yeah, well, based on the way the allocation for the showdown has happened, it seems like they've got um, around 200 of the 2,000 is being allocated for, for corporate. Uh, I think 1,500 is being allocated for general members and then uh, about 500 is being allocated to the um, to the op- opposition team. Now, that's a unique situation being in South Australia where mm. you could get fans of the opposition side to the game. That's not going to happen up here in the Queensland games. So mm. it would be along the lines of, uh, dedicating a certain amount of tickets for corporate, a certain amount of tickets for, let's say, gold class members, a certain amount of tickets for silver members, and then a certain amount of tickets for general admission. And that would obviously scale depending on, I'd say, the the size of that membership base for those, those breakdowns. Um, mm. And yeah, it sounds like there's a possibility that we could, some lucky people could be going to the football this Saturday. How- yeah. <laughs> However, we haven't heard anything concrete come out today. I think I saw an article from 7AFL saying that it's been knocked on the head. Now, I don't trust that source too much, especially considering considering no one else has been running with that story. So I think it's still a possibility. But, you know, a month's time, the round... Well, the round five game, we're going to Geelong. Hopefully the round four game, which is going to be against Fremantle, we can go along and watch a game of football, or at least most of yeah. most of the supporter base could. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I think um, I think I might have just found a source that's saying that it's been, been knocked on the head and it's channel, uh, that's ABC. So that's two. Um, the... 
It's just so tough. There's three cases of COVID-19 in Queensland at the moment. They happen to be in South Brisbane and on the Gold Coast. So the two places where we've got AFL stadiums and they're two places where we're not out of the woods, you know, even though they're known, it's just there and they didn't come from the community that, you know, all of that epidemiology, as they call it, has been taken care of. And the risk factor is so small it's just that they're just the two zones. Like if they, if you were going to play a game in Townsville this weekend, you'd be confident you could have a crowd because they haven't had any cases for yonks. So anyway, uh, the, these three cases are well known and they're all they're all sort of in quarantine. So there's no risk. Uh, we keep going as we go. But yeah, I can't wait. Look, you know, you and I are likely to unlikely to get to a, a game anytime soon unless we get lucky. So. Uh, those who are lucky enough, um, I think we can wait for another week or two because we thought it was going to be a month or two. Yeah, absolutely. Either way, it's it's win-win situation for the fans. And there's probably actually a, a greater win for, like you said, the members that supported the club and donated all of their, their membership this year mm. to the club. Um, they're still going to get all those extras and bonuses uh, for next season and from the club. And they're probably going to get in and see quite a few games of AFL still. Not Yeah, well, the, well Tony Cochran was saying it was maybe 90%. Yeah. Um, I, I, don't, I don't doubt his word, but I, I think he might have been talking about only 10% or less than 10% have taken the 100% cash back. I think he might be including people who've gone with the half-and-half half options. But... I mean, whichever way it is, if it is 90% of saying, you know, take the lot, that's a fantastic result. But we also don't know the the numbers of people who have signed up for this year for their memberships, considering normally the big campaign to really get those last-minute memberships in was when everything was up in the air. So, so, you know, it's still... Uh, yeah, it's unresolved. So yeah, like the, the, the diehard supporters are the ones who just say, "Yeah, debit my credit card every every November." Those are the ones who will be saying, "Yeah, I'm all in." Uh, it's the people who have been trying to work out whether they can afford their credit card in February and when they can buy a membership and what type yeah, that are that are like you know Gold not Coast, on board yet. I feel like the Gold Coast Suns membership base pro, uh, folk, uh, benefits a lot from the three game memberships, and yeah. I feel like. At least at the start of the season, that's been way down. And there's probably no guarantee that buying a three-game membership now is going to get you in to see three games, maybe even two games. Hopefully one, but there's no guarantees anymore because we just don't know if crowds are going to be. If you've been a renter, you know it's stressful to find the perfect place. But Zillow Rentals make it easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find a rental that's big enough for entertaining your friends, but small enough they won't crash all weekend. Find your sweet spot on ZillowRentals.com. Be there, and if there's another outbreak, that pretty much says goodbye to crowds for the rest of the season. Uh, It's really up in the air, and obviously the members that have paid up front and uh, pledged their support, you would expect would be rewarded with first dibs on tickets. All right. Well... Now, with round two approaching, we actually have to look back to round one. As sad as it is, we're going to have to look back to that team that played round one and see what changes there's going to be as we look forward to round two. 
So we already know that Swallow is going to be out of that side, suspended. Mm. Um, injuries, injuries. And and uh, and Brandon Ellis, play. Ellis is the is other out of that side. Uh, yes, Miles and George Hall and Smith didn't play, so we've got two outs in Ellis and Swallow. They're pretty big outs, Tom. They are. They are. I mean, um, if you if you think about it, um, Swallow is is well, he's not. You can't replace him, but you you know you, you have to put someone in, and he was named in the forward line. Um, so he he obviously played a, quite a lot in the guts. And and that's the kind of player that we need to replace him with, but if you consider that he you know he, he they really shared it around in the middle, so Rao and Greenwood and even Bowes spent time in the middle. Uh, obviously Miller, Fiorini. So um, you need you need to be able to replace him with one of those as a team. So in a way, I guess it's not the worst scenario because we can replace him with a forward. It just has to be a forward who can play in the middle. So is that Ainsworth and we pick another small forward? Or do we bring in, say, Sam Flanders, who is a midfielder slash forward who plays in the same mould with the same aggressiveness as, as Swallow? Hopefully won't get suspended, but it, it has been predicted that Sam Flanders will will be a player who gets suspended early in his career, <laughs> and that's by his own admission. Uh, so what do you think about that? Well, the player that comes to mind is one of the players mentioned on the Match Sim report that we saw, and that's Will Powell. He's a natural wingman. He's been groomed in that position for the last few years since he joined the Suns. And it sounds like he's training the house down. The way they spoke about him and the way we've seen Chew talk about him in uh, press conferences, it really feels like he's one of the more favoured or loved players at the club and probably going to be one of the first picked. So I think with Ellis vacating that wing spot, at least for this week, maybe Powell gets back into the side. Yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you, but the other thing I... I, I wonder about is the guy that we talked about in the last episode, Jeremy Sharp, has also been training the house down and he's had a, a, an uninterrupted run throughout the preseason. So he's probably got the legs in him and, and the um, guys like Craig Cameron and Stuart Jew are all all agree that he, he's AFL ready and he will play this year. But will he play this week is the big question. Um because you kind of consider Powell as an incumbent. And one of the things that the Suns suffer from is that we don't have what the West Coast has in... We don't have these players who have been in these, every situation conceivable. They've been in it and they've got five options to get out of it and they trust each other because they know that how far a certain player can kick or what foot they kick off and this and that. So Powell would... I think have the edge in that regard that he's been a part of the team for two years longer, but I've just, I'm so, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm so strong on Jeremy Sharp. Having said that, I haven't picked either of them in the top 22. <laughs> okay. um, the other potential is it wouldn't be too far out the ordinary to have a Pierce Hanley or a Jared Harbrow play, play on the wing. Yeah. Well, I've put them both back in because for the same reason I just said that they're, they're, they're incumbents. Um, they don't let us down, and the backline in the in the first round just really got outplayed in certain situations. And you you know when when the ball's coming at you, 
and coming over your head so much, you really you really need to have some old hands back there because we just don't the the rest of the back line the way it's shaping up they're they're all reasonably young players. I mean, Sam Collins is probably the oldest player we've got from that back line who, who who'd be backing up. I mean, uh, is it Harbrow or Hanley for you? No, I think we can find room for both of them. It probably the hard bit is I don't think you could have Connor Bedarek uh, in the side if you bring both of them in. I think unfortunately he misses out. And again, the way the match sim talk was discussing, it sounded like the coaches are still really keen on giving Butterick his uh, time in the sun. Yeah, maybe they've got something planned for Harbrow or Hanley a little bit further up the field. I mean, either of them could play on the wing. Mm. It's just that we normally just really need them both back. Um, back. Um, I'd be perfectly happy with Pierce playing playing up the up the wing, uh, even if it was just temporarily while Ellis was out. Um, I did see, Peter, you know, they don't show you much, but that one little snippet of of um, Harbour, of of, uh, of Raoul getting chased down by Lemons, and if you watch the video, it's actually Anderson dishing it off to Raoul, and in the background you can see Harbrow backing up, which is kind of a wingman's role. So I wonder if he's been playing in that position in practice. Yeah, possibly. Um, now, the other player that's definitely out is David Swallow. He was named in round one in a forward pocket. So with that in mind, I believe Sexton is the like-for-like replacement, as Sexton can also go forward, uh, go into the midfield and be damaging. Well, you'd, th- you'd think he'd be our our, um, our our sort of main source of goals, really. I mean, you want Ben King to be the you know three or four goal a, a game player, but we know now that Sexton can do it. So you know, having an extra smaller forward, and it's kind of a bit of a, a fashionable trend around the league, isn't it? A lot of a lot of teams that have been quite successful have been been able to come up with because he's not the smallest forward. He's got a bit of presence. He's got he he's at that age where he trusts his body positioning and strength, where he he can and he's an excellent um, judge of the ball. Uh, when he was a bit younger, he was just getting pushed off it a bit, um, a lot. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I I'd probably prefer to see Darcy McPherson and Ben Ainsworth spending more time in the middle than Sexton. But you're quite right, having that flexibility to be able to put them all through there is um, is I think it's part of Jews long-term plan um keep that forward line working really hard and when you need to sort of rotate some of them through the through the guts you can rotate them with 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 other midfielders uh because you're not going to do as much running when you're in the forward line but when you are running if you're doing that strong defensive press then you're going to need to have a breather after that so um, whether it's doing that first and, and then going going into the into the guts or, or the other way around, um, so I think we're pretty well set for forwards. Um, if I'm looking at the depth chart that I've got, the the, the big the big dilemma that we've got in the forward line uh, is we've got Ben King, Sam Day, and Peter Wright, and we probably don't think that all three can exist in that same forward line. Uh, it may be something to try later in the year or against other opposition, but probably not this time. So if we if we can say that Ben King's locked his place down, which of the other two are you favouring? Well, I'll just go off the round one side with Day and King. 
as the tall towers. I think uh, Peter Wright needed to impress in that match sim. Now, he could certainly impress during training and cause his hand for selection, but at this stage, from what we have been made aware of, I've got a side with Sam Day, um, mm. just back in the reason that he was selected to begin with. Peter Wright hasn't come on. He hasn't delivered. He hasn't had that big preseason where he's trained the house down and really become that mobile key forward that we all thought he would be. So, I mean, neither has Sam Day, but Day's got he's... more runs on the board and seems to be more flexible than Peter Wright. Can I read some stats out to you from game one? So Sam Day had uh, seven possessions. Uh, he had ten hit-outs, which probably actually helped in the end because uh, Witsy didn't have his best game either. Um, of those of those seven possessions, he managed a behind. He managed to gain 25 metres, which is... By far and away, oh, it was actually not the worst. <laughs> um, he really underperformed. Now I know, I know that the way Port Adelaide played meant that the Suns really couldn't get it into the forward line. Um, certainly, Sammy was was doing, you know, his, his effort was there, and to to be able to lead up the wing and lead up the guts the way he was, and our players just couldn't get it to him. But and humidity and all the rest of it, but. Yeah, I, I, I don't think he nailed his spot down, and I wouldn't be surprised to see that get changed. Um, the other thing to mention is that with shortened quarters, you don't necessarily need an, a backup ruckman. But how do you feel about that, Shane? I mean, is it? Do you think it's better to to, to put Witsy on the bench for you know four minutes a quarter to to, to really including the, the quarter and halftime breaks to be able to get his his motor back and and have because um, West Coast, we know, are one of those teams that generally go in with the two rucks. So do we need two metre Peter to go in there to compete with their, their second ruckman and occasionally take on Nick Nat? Uh, I mean, you bring up a good point. I think Peter uh, Jared Witts is one of those ruckmen which excels when he's the solo ruckman. Uh, I mean, I put him in the <laughs> same sort of category as Todd Goldstein, who... You know, just struggled when there was a second ruckman in the side. I think Jared Witts can handle that load of being the only ruckman, especially now that he's had time to get over his preseason injury, which inhibited him in round one. Uh, yeah. I, I feel, though, the question's more about who's the better lead-up mark out of Sam Day and Peter Wright, because West Coast game in their defensive 50 relies on intercepts and um, if we're just going to bomb it in they're going to have some of their best players just picking off the marks so it really depends on who can find space and lead better than the other and I think Sam Day does that a bit better than Peter Wright Yeah, look, I think Sam Day's the, the, the complete package as far as as that goes, and, and I think he's, he's just had such a horrendous injury, lost all his fitness and form, and then he, he had a few setbacks on the way back, hasn't he? So if we can see a bit more of 2016-style Sam Day in the coming weeks, I'll be very excited about his season to come. Shane, can I, can I throw a couple of names at you? Um, 
I said erroneously in the last podcast that Will Brody didn't play, but he did. Um, can you see Will Brody keeping his spot, especially considering uh, David Swallow and Brandon Ellis are out of the midfield? Yeah, absolutely. Although I feel like Will Brody's more of the probably more at risk of losing his spot if Anthony Miles was available. Um, so I feel like Will Brody still maintains his spot. He's had a good off-season and looked pretty good in the JLT games. Is that what they call it? Yeah. Um, so Marsh. Like they changed Marsh, their name to it. Marsh Insurance. So, I, I thought that maybe having Greenwood, Swallow and Brody in the same team might have been a bit of overkill because the other guys are more flexible, but he's purely a midfielder, and add Fiorini to that, even though Fiorini's a little bit different type and of player. Raul as well is a similar sort of player. Yeah. Um, Raul yeah. could play outside, you know. I mean, he's the best the best player in this year's draft pool, so the or last year's draft pool, so you know, it wouldn't be a surprise to see him take a turn out there, but, we, but I think they want to see him and Anderson link up because they're just, it's part of the package, isn't it? Hmm. Well, which young players uh, do we think is going to miss out on the round two selection? We had Anderson and Rao make their debut. We had um, Graham. I don't think he debuted in that game, but he certainly... No, 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 no he did He played... Yeah, we didn't have any tall players available. We didn't have home. I mean, we had Collins. Collins and Graham played, played down back. Uh, we didn't have Ballard. We had, we had uh, Graham, Collins and Lukosius playing down back and you know they, they tried all game but the the um and they, and it wasn't like port had the, the best tall forwards they had a couple of young guys young guns who who outdid our, our backs so um graham's the incumbent uh it's a big question do you bring in homsh for graham and put homsh on darling and collins on kennedy or what about chris burgess yeah i mean I haven't heard anything about Burgess, so I don't know if he's even considered for selection. Usually those sort of players you hear during the week that they've trained the house down or they're really progressing and the coaches are talking them up. Um, It would certainly be a surprise selection if Chris Burgess was named in the side, especially now that Ballard's back. uh, Yeah. He had a good match sim, so if he pulls up well... Uh, without any niggles or sore, then he's he's pretty much a walk-in start to that back line. I think yep. Homsch as well. I think Homsch would replace Graham. So we'd be looking at going in with three tools in Ballard, Homsch and Collins. Uh, I mean, with, with, with Lukosius on Lukosius the bench. as well, yeah. Jeez, that's a really tall back line, Lukosius. It is. Well. But Ballard and Lukosius don't play as tall when they've got ball in hand. And they're both very good interceptors. Uh, the sixty-four billion dollar question: Jack Bowes is he going to be playing in on the on the halfback flank again? Well, it sounds like he is from all the talk that we've heard and a little bit of inside info that we've got. It sounds like Bowes is still training with the the back line, and it sounds like the coaching staff are committed to seeing Jack. Uh, develop his his defensive game and his ability to read the play, and you, you do that best in the back line. Um, he's probably still going to have bursts in the midfield, as most yes. players do these days, but 
Yeah, I, I think we'll see Bose in the back line. Maybe look to shut down someone like Cripps um, or uh, Petricelli. Um, they're some of uh, West Coast's more dangerous mid to small mm-hmm. forwards. Um, yeah, I mean, even if he can just knock Petrocelli off his line so he can't can't put on that speed on the lead mm-hmm. or to get over the top, but I, I'd probably prefer to have someone like Harbrow or, or, or Hanley on him. But um, I think the, the, the West Coast forward line is going to be bloody tough, even without Rioli, to match up, match up on them. So having a group who, who have a bit of height, the ability to spoil, um, and, and, and the ability to get the ball out... Um, which you know, my, you know, I, I, I really like Caleb Graham. I've got him, I've got him in my team, but I, just, I think there's an argument for a bunch of other guys. Burgess for me would be someone who you'd put in there with day up front because they have the potential to switch. If you if you're looking for something different up front, so say you want to put Chris Burgess one out in the goal square, and you just want Sam Day's presence and and size on someone like Kennedy if he's gone through two or three opponents. But, um, yeah, the, the, the other name that sticks out for me, Shane, is Jesse Joyce. He did play in round one. Um, he wasn't bad. It was just the usual 14 possession, um, got beaten a couple of times. Um, and and um, he's come on. I, I, I really like Jesse Joyce, but suddenly he's got a lot of competition for his spot. Yeah, look, if I can't find a place for Butterick in my side, then I really don't think I can find a place for Jesse. Um, I'll read, we've got less than five minutes, so I'll quickly read out my predicted 22, and that is a backline consisting of Ballard, Homsch, Lukosius, Collins, Harborough, and Hanley, even though I'm not keen on Hanley's defensive efforts, and I may consider, I think he might be better on the wing. Um... I've got Weller, Greenwood, and Anderson running through the guts with Wits, Miller, and Rowell as the followers. McPherson, Day, Ainsworth, Sexton, King, and Holman in the forward line. And, Holman, okay. Well, yeah, he he had he was there for round one. I don't see he was, any reason not he to was, drop him. He wasn't good. Nah, he's one of those players that brings the pressure. Um, Maybe Flanders could replace him, or Lemons. What about Lemons? That That's one that... Both those players, Lemons and Flanders, are on my extended interchange bench. Okay. Um, <laughs> I've got Lemons in the starting. Yeah. But only only because um, it's either him or, or Holman, and ne- neither of them played particularly well in round one. But I just... Yeah, I just I just feel that Lemons brings something to that forward pressure. Um. And, and, and that he and we need him. Um, but yeah, you're right, Flanders could knock him out um, or could go with both. But yeah, keep keep going. Well, uh, I've got you... the interchange now. I've got eight players, but to narrow that down to four, I guess my first picks would be Bose and Brody. And yep. then if I have to find another two players, I like Powell. I really like him coming back into the side. And okay. I'd probably go with Flanders if I'm keeping Holman on the field. I'd, I'd rather Flanders over Lemons. Fiorini? Oh, my God. I've forgotten Fiorini. Now, Fiorini played, started last week in the back line, and it didn't suit him very well, but he finished really strongly, and he was one of the guys who, if we were going to make an effort and try and, try and sort of get back into the game, it was on his boot. 
Um, ended up with 19 possessions in a shortened game, which would have normally been 25 or, you know, you can pick up a, a lot more possessions in junk time in a losing game. So um, he was, he was, him and Tuke Miller were, were the two best players. So they're the first two I picked. Um, it's bloody hard without seeing a preseason or, or anything like that, isn't it? It is. It certainly is. Uh, we've got about a minute left, Tom. Do you want to quickly run yeah. over your best 22 if you've got one? Oh, look, as per usual, you and I have got very similar. I've gone for Caleb Graham because uh, he did play round one. He he, um, he, he needs to be blooded. Um, Jack Hobb struggles against the bigger gorillas. Uh, so if Collins is going to be in there, uh, and Collins and Homsch, a decent combination. Um, gee, there's, there's some talent left on the, off the field, though. Josh Corbett, is he ever going to get a go? Um, Jordan Murdoch, you know, if we need some extra pace. Jesse Joyce. Jez McLennan, is he going to get a debut? And Connor Butterick, as you mentioned. So, yeah, I've I got no clue, honestly. I've looked at it for a couple of hours today, so I went cross-eyed. And I, and I cannot predict, because Stuart Duke always throws it in a spanner, doesn't he? He does. It's really anyone's game. Like, as you said, I forgot Fiorini in my side, and I could probably name another two or three players I think are worthy of starting. Uh, good signs for the Suns' depth, especially when we're not suffering too many injuries. Throw in the ones yeah. that are injured or ineligible to play, and the Suns has quite a bit of talent. They just need to get them all out in the park consistently. That's all right. right. I wonder how the seconds team's going to go. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to see if we hear anything. All right, it's time to go. Thanks for joining us. Go Suns. Go Suns. If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find that place that's in your budget, but also isn't a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot. Gym sessions and sweaty summer activities are back, which means more funky smells in your clothes, because sweat leaves behind bacteria that causes those hard-to-remove odors. Clorox Fabric Sanitizer products are ready to zap the stink out of fabrics in your home by getting rid of 99.9% of odor-causing bacteria. Eliminate odors in every load or sanitize fabrics between washes with one of our Fabric Sanitizer products. Search Fabric Sanitizer at Clorox.com to learn more. When it counts, trust Clorox. Use as directed.